0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. For more information, visit www.rt11.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Welcome to Love Bites, recording at Heritage Radio Network in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today is Monday, May 2nd. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find my work and me as at wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34 straight and single.
3: And I'm your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. Right now I am living that beautiful actor dream, but I also am dabble in the food industry as an occasional bartender and server. You can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 33 straight and single.
2: After the break, we're going to be joined by Daniel Knighton, a wedding officiate who guides couples through weddings of all sorts. So he's going to share some horror stories and moments that made him go all mushy, maybe. And we're going to pick his brain about if he's learned anything about what makes a marriage a successful one. But first, we have some explaining to do because we're not actually in the studio right now on May 2nd. It's magic! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) That
3: that was my... uh... (laughs) We're
2: really bad at sound effects. (laughs) We really need to, to up our game with the sound effects. But right now, Ben, you are on your way back to Maine or you're in Maine already and I'm who knows where, I who am knows in where reality in reality and I'm on my way back to New York because May 1st we're at a friend's wedding. Right?
3: I know. One of my absolute best friends on the planet.
2: Yeah. And who happens to be the guy that I dated for a decade. Uh-oh. So, uh-oh. So we're pre-recording this back in April, and you're listening to it in May, the day after this wedding, when Ben is going back to do his show in Maine, and I'm coming back to New York City. Speaking so, of weddings. So speaking of weddings. So yeah. So we're going to get to the ex's wedding thing in a second, but...
3: But first, we're going to share some of our own experiences as guests at wedding. We're going to talk yes. about what is our craziest wedding experience as a guest why don't you yeah. start
2: so mine it was already crazy because i had two weddings in one day i was like 28 wedding 28 dresses two weddings wedding in it. one day yeah i was in a wedding in the morning in the off the coast of connecticut i was a bridesmaid and so i'd gone up the night before to this like you know fancy you know ocean you know fairfield county connecticut type of wedding okay. and then Halfway through the ceremony, the ten year ex and I jumped in the car and drove way out to Long Island for a cousin's extremely formal old school Portuguese European wedding. And so it was Did you wear
3: the same thing to both weddings? No,
2: no. I changed (laughs) in the car. I literally like changed while he was driving. But the reason why it was crazy is because the day before I had left my my bridesmaid's dress on the Metro North train <sighs> from New York, going to Connecticut, and it wasn't until I was at my dad's house and like was getting ready to pick up the boyfriend from the train, from a later train, that I realized that I had left so it. What'd hanging. you do? I panicked. I didn't tell her, and I started. I moved heaven and earth to get that dress back. It took 24 hours. I got it just in time to like leave to get up to the rehearsal dinner. Thought that I didn't t- like my friend would never know, and then it ends up she had found out anyway because I had like frantically when I was trying to figure out if I could get another dress like last minute. I'd call called the bridal shop, and another bridesmaid was there while I was telling the woman like oh, crying, no. being like, I've lost oh, my dress, no. what so can we her. do? So they told her, and she told the bride anyway, so oh, I got no. the dress back after 24 hours of literally like pleading to these women who, you know, run Metro North from different why points. Why would the friend tell
3: the bride? It's like you're just going to stress out exactly. the bride who already so, has so much stress. Yeah, so
2: we're like at the cocktail hour after the rehearsal, and she's like, so, how's your dress for tomorrow? And I was like, oh, it's perfect, why? And she's like, so it's, it's the bridal dress, right? It's the blue one with a sash, and I was like, dah. Yeah, so that was my craziest wedding experience, but it all worked out. Both weddings were beautiful, and I am here to tell the tale. What about you? Craziest wedding experience? That is pretty
3: crazy. My craziest wedding experience was I went to a wedding um, of a mutual friend of me and my, like I had an ex-girlfriend, and both of us were going to this wedding of a mutual friend. Um, How
2: long was it after you had broken up?
3: It was like eight months after we had broken up. We were together for like a little over two years. Oh, no. And she was dating someone else.
2: And she brought him.
3: No. Okay, that's good. And we oh, ended up sleeping up. together while she was still dating this oh, no. guy. Um, and then a few months later, she ended things with the guy, and she and I got back together for a little while, actually. Um, and then oh, so
2: maybe the wedding but, prompted you eventually getting back together.
3: Oh yeah, it's so it's crazy a in a good way. It. Yeah, it was like a, kind of a fun, scandalous, little awesome. sexy. Six awesome. time.
2: Um, so the wedding that you and I are at in a couple weeks slash yesterday is your best friend. You are in the wedding and I will be sitting in the audience. So we both combed listeners. We both combed to the internet for like stuff like, you know, X, going to an ex's wedding stuff. And they were all pretty cliche. It was like, look amazing and don't talk too much to his family. And if people ask you how you know him, don't like say, oh, I slept with him for X amount of years or whatever and be nice to the bride. It was all very, it's, I know all that stuff. Like, I'm not worried about that stuff. So Ben, you've. What been are you going to say when
3: people ask how you know him? Like we went, went to college, college together, together. Okay. yeah, okay. which we did. Okay.
2: Um, and I think most people that know both—I mean, people that know both of us know—but like strangers, yeah, we went. We, I'm one of his One of the many college friends who's going to be at this wedding. So Ben, you've been to an ex's wedding. So I've got I've boiled down my turmoil about this impending wedding to two points. OK, and then I also have counterpoint slash like takeaways that I'm going to practice at the wedding. So I'm going to sh- share what they are yeah, and then you advise are. me on your experience. I will give you my
3: ultimate this. wisdom.
2: OK, so my first problem and this I hate admitting to myself, but I'm going to I'm going to be real about it, is that he wins. He gets married first. He wins. Why Which, is that winning? Well, because here here's why. Because, A, it's the cliche thing, and so I'm going to get to my, my, my win, my counterpoint, and how I'm, my solution very soon. But basically, he and I have completely different um, approaches to dating. This is his first girlfriend after me. I've dated several other men since him. And so we both, when we broke up, we had very different tactics for dating. Okay. But yeah, and, you're we, so, and you're like <laughs> your back and is we, stiff, and and we straight sort of because we sort of critiqued each other for them, we got okay. in fights about it in a way, like this was ten years that afterwards we had you know some things some things to figure out as we evolved into being good friends, which we are I'm one hundred percent behind his wedding, but like I feel like his his tactic on dating sort of won, and as much as I don't feel like. The, you know, getting married is an, is the goal in life. It's still, like, going to see him get married... I think maybe it's just a competitive thing. Yeah, I know. I I'm, like, like- I'm like, what do you
3: mean he... Like, why is it that, you know, you? so what, you broke up and I both like, raced off to try to get married? No, is that- but
2: I think if anything, including with the articles we did read, like, the poignancy that I found in them was like, oh, if you're seeing an ex getting married, and getting married is something that you do want, or at least partnership is something you want, you feel like you're the one at a loss sometimes. So that's sort of... So it's there, and I feel like more cliche people might project that onto me as well but my solution for that is like i just haven't met the right guy yet like that's all it is like i just haven't met the like the guy that i want to spend indefinite time with yet and that's really okay and i'm cool with that i've got a really awesome life and so just me knowing that like the only reason why i'm not where he's gonna be is because i haven't met the guy yet and that's really okay
3: and I would say, knowing both of you, um, that you not only both have different approaches to dating, but different approaches to life.
2: Completely.
3: Um, and I... I don't s-
2: want to be in his fiancé's
3: position. Or in his position. Or
2: in his position right now. And with so, like, with the life that he's chosen, which I'm fully supportive of for him, like, it's proof that we should not be doing this together.
3: Absolutely. You know? And yeah. so I would say it doesn't boil down to a win or a loss at I all. Know. And I think that's, like, not necessarily a either a helpful or even realistic way to look at it
4: it's
2: neither but it still exists and so now that i know it and i've identified it i can go in prepared to like just be not be thinking about he wins but be thinking about i just haven't met the guy yet so well, that's my take i'll also that. be
3: by your side convincing you that you're a he winner will. in just every way and you promised so. me
2: every slow dance so i'm gonna hold you to that um so number two is that despite being 100 happy for him throughout his engagement process and i have a feeling it's going to come up through the wedding because i also want listeners to understand that i get that this wedding is all about him it has nothing to do with me nothing to do with me other than being a friend to him it feels like the significance of our relationship that covered a decade is diminished a little bit there have been points that i don't want to point out but like there have been points during his engagement again it has nothing to do with me but things that have been said or projected that make me feel completely insignificant because of rightfully so he's focusing on the relationship he's in in the marriage but it makes me feel like um we don't have like i never existed i wasn't significant and that and it hurts that and can I be helpful i understand yeah that. and i don't want it to and, and there are things out of my control too it's not me putting things out there you know it's points it's points in the engagement process for somebody else they're you know they're putting so much of their love and their happiness with each other out there to, for the world to see
3: Absolutely. And I think anytime you have an ex who is moving on or you're moving like that, that, that feeling happens over and over again, I think. And I think having it be the wedding is kind of like the final, ultimate, like big, you know, stab in the heart to some degree, you know?
2: Yeah. And there have just been things coming up in life that have sort of made that apparent. So um, I guess what my takeaway for that is, and I put three stars next to my notes here, is that there are things that I can't control. But what I can remember is that i know that our relationship was significant i know that it was at intimacy at its most at its deepest we went through a lot together we grew up together i know even now that he and i still talk a lot we're very supportive of each other's lives and work it's also very clear that we should not be a couple but i know that our 10 years together was significant. And so I can do what I need to do at this wedding, which is to be his friend and to support him because we are still friends. And so my job at this wedding is just to be another one of the many people who supports him. And if anything happens, if people say something that's insensitive or they're projecting their own weirdness onto me, knowing that we've dated for so long, I will just know inside myself that he and I had something that was significant. We have a friendship that is still exists and that I can love him and support him. You know, with his friendship, love,
3: and I think he would say the exact same thing about you if asked. I'm sure he would. Um, Has this
2: brought anything up from your experience?
3: I mean, not a ton. I did not have the same amount of time invested in the relationship of the with the ex that I saw get Mm -hmm. married. Um, But I would say that I agree uh, wholly that it's not about you, and I think focusing on that and, like you said, focusing on being a good friend to your friend who is getting married is the A, the, like the right thing to do, and B, the best way also to not have to confront whatever negative feelings are coming up, focusing on the positivity that this guy who does mean so much to you is having a significant moment in his life and being there and being proud for him and happy for him and all of that is, like, a good way to feel good f- for yourself on that right. day.
2: Yeah. And so I think now that we've talked through this, I have a couple sort of things to keep in my head, which is good. Uh, listeners, wedding season is coming up. If you are going to an ex's wedding, please email us at lovebitesradio at gmail.com or tweet us, like, how are you getting through it? <laughs> what? <laughs> have you have any horror stories that do you want to need share? needs some moral support right <laughs> I now, I do. Even like... though this is airing after the wedding, I don't know how I'm going to be feeling then anyway. Um, I might be hungover. I'm definitely probably going to be hungover driving back to New York. So please, like, reach out and tell us your experience experiences and maybe we'll do a blog post about them and collect them together and put them on the site.
3: We're going to take a quick break, but I urge you to send us all of your questions about anything you have about love to lovebitesradio at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, We will be back shortly with Daniel Nyden.
1: following program has been brought to you by root 11 potato chips from the moment root 11 potato chips dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992 they understood their destiny as a high quality producer instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form the payoff was immediate incredible potato chip with a secret recipe and superior ingredients their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment in this world of uncertainty that we live in, Route 11 Potato Chips believes comfort food should be just that. Know where your food comes from. For more information, visit RT11.com. The one and only Dave Arnold brings the noise to Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday on cooking issues. Coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberto's Pizzeria in Bushwick and Brooklyn. <laughs> if the bomb was going to drop... And you only had 15 minutes, which is like I can I can make a sandwich in 15 minutes. <laughs> you will be eating a sandwich. <laughs> I I'd kiss my wife, make a sandwich. If you believe that it's all about to be over, why eat healthy? I'm not a freaking Neanderthal. I like a tempered ice cream sandwich, but it's the only way to get around it if you're a party master because you, you're going to wind up like your kitchen's going to fill with dishes. And is Some there people have commercial dishwashers in their house? Who? I've seen them. Who? I've seen them. Who? <laughs> really rich people. <laughs> For more mile a minute knowledge from Dave and the crew, listen to Cooking Issues, available on Heritage Radio Network, iTunes, and Stitcher.
2: Daniel Niden has married close to 150 couples since 1985. Before equality marriage, before marriage equality, before equality marriage. Before marriage equality. I think
3: it's called a marriage equality, yeah. That's what
2: I'd assume, the notes. (laughs) Before before equality marriage, Jacqueline's wonderful notes. Uh, Before marriage equality, he also performed commitment ceremonies and helped Lambda petition New York State to write the current new law. So that is very badass of him, and we are very proud of him and thankful for that. Over a two-year stretch in the late 80s, Daniel was a regular on Good Day New York, appearing as a relationship expert panelist.
3: An expert relationship. Yeah. Just kidding.
2: <laughs> yeah. I totally, it was, like, it was like my eyes are crossing now. Too much sake. Uh, due to, no, and I have to say it all again. Danny was a regular on Good Day New York, appearing as a relationship uh, relationship expert panelist <laughs> due to his dubious freelance contributions to Playboy magazine. Because he continues to take on socially conscientious theater projects, he requests that couples donate to his officiant fee to whatever 50C3 he is working with. Currently, you can find all of that information at livinglotusproject.org. Welcome to Heritage Radio, Daniel Neiden. Thank you. So 150 weddings are a lot of weddings. Yeah. Um, were there any where you had serious doubts about the potential of the couple? And if so, like what warning signs do you see in couples about to tie the knot?
4: Normally, when a couple comes to me, uh, before I even say that, What you guys talked about a little while ago was fantastic, and it ties into something that I want to say about bringing the best of yourself to the wedding, because you're asking people to write in and everything, so remind me of that, about what it is to bring the best of yourself to a wedding. Definitely. The um, uh, warning signs, they don't usually come up in the ceremony, because I have three meetings with the bride and groom-to-be. And at the first one, we talk about what their idea of a wedding is. And then we get into the ceremony. And then by the time we get to the ceremony, I've gotten to know them. And we've done some exercises. So if it's not in the cards, the wedding won't happen, usually.
2: Has that happened where weddings have been canceled because of your guidance? Yeah. Yeah. How did that go?
4: Well, You can tell a lot by the complaint and the groom, in this case, of one of them. I had them do the exercise that I require of everybody, and it caused them not to get married. And when he called to yell at me, he said, I almost had her.
1: Oh. Oh.
3: Wait, what is this exercise that you do that...
4: It's a simple shrink exercise that someone told me about when I started doing weddings. And the couple, I might... Try it on you just to kind of give the idea of as if you were two are going to get married. Will
2: we fall in love by the end of it?
4: Or out? Right. I don't know.
1: But, <laughs>
4: but it's basically an I want exercise. So let's just say, Jacqueline, you and it, it, there's no advantage to who goes first. But you're you're home. You, you go get, first. You get, <laughs> you get a I don't clock. Have to go first. You get a clock and no phones and maybe Kleenex because someone's going to cry maybe out of just emotion or whatever. Oh, but no. are you a crier?
2: No, but we have a challenge for this season about who can make the other one cry. <laughs>
4: and And so you basically start every sentence with the words, I want, not, I want you to be on time more, but I want to keep my name or I want kids. I don't, anything that they might not know, or if they do know, you've been, in a lot of cases these days, we all, we live together before we get married. So there aren't as many surprises, but What would be, just right off the bat, just say a bunch of stream of consciousness, I want?
2: Um, I don't want to have kids. I want to live in New York City or a major metropolis. I want to build a cabin in the woods two hours outside of that major metropolis that I can have both in life. I want to Raise uh, chickens and goats. I want to live a highly creative, artistic life. I want to be a full-time writer. I want to travel a lot together. I want somebody. I want to cook a lot and have long, lazy dinners. Okay. I want. Okay.
4: Now that was you want a lot of things. That was I I could keep on going. (laughs) That was like twelve seconds. Go ahead, stream of consciousness. Okay.
3: I want to uh, maintain my passionately pursue my career as an actor. I want to be able to have um, honest, open discussion about my wants and needs at any given time. I want to have an active, healthy sexual relationship. I want to, um, go taste amazing foods and have great dinners. I want to travel and explore the world. I want to live in New York city and I want to, um,
4: Okay. All right. That's no, cool. And unless... You got it? No, 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 no. Okay. Good. So let,
2: that took... Nothing quite, Ben said turned me off, by the way, guys. Okay. I'm still... Oh, nice, team. nice. Uh-huh. So if that took like 20 uh-huh. seconds,
4: imagine 10 minutes. So here's what usually happens. If they get into the real minutiae, like I want separate beds. I want, you know, one bed. I want separate bank accounts. I want uh, our kids to have my last name, your last name. Or I don't want to go to your parents for Thanksgiving. I want to have it here. Like, really applicable stuff that a couple would have. I want uh, that one month every year to go off with my Friends to go mountain climbing every year. I want Thursday for date night. I want whatever they are. It
3: sounds, It's like there's obviously would be much more
4: specific things th- in a, a,
3: in an yeah. actual relationship as opposed to the hypothetical sure, one that I, she sure. and I were.
4: But the funny thing is, if you're on the precipice of getting married, then those are the things that kind of matter. And if you did the exercise after ten years, it would be way different. Absolutely. Right? Okay. So what happens is everything goes dark after about a minute, maybe even sixty seconds, a little over sixty seconds. People don't know what to say, and I tell them. The other person can't talk, silence, silence. And then the cool thing happens with about 45 seconds to about a minute left, the real stuff comes out. And it's earth shattering in some cases, but usually it's not a surprise. It's that maybe they'll might say, all right, uh, fuck the, I don't, I want or I don't want, I'm scared of having kids because, and then something will come out because of something in their family or this or that or a trauma, whatever. But they come back to me after they do the exercise as a unified front. So that maybe keeps people knowing whether they really do want to get married or not. And if they do, the unified front, they carry that with them.
2: And if they, one or both of them don't, is it usually one or is it usually both? Usually
4: one that's a surprise to the other. And like I said, there's less surprises because people live together. But if they really own up to that they don't want, you know, if money's a huge deal and I want my own money through the whole thing, and the other one can't deal with it, there's been, In all this time, there have been two weddings canceled because of it. And one, they were both just relieved. They were so happy that they finally got to it. And and one had been afraid to raise it to the other. The other one was very angry. (laughs) and that was
3: because of money or
4: because of that one was because he really didn't want kids she did but she was a trophy for him and I kind of knew when they came in and everything you can tell when people are in a wedding meeting they advocate for each other the really the ones you know are going to last they have a language all their own and they advocate for each other and it lasts all the way through the ceremony and you know I I stay in touch I'll hear like I'll do baby namings or I'll get close to them because I'm their sort of family druid after a while and then I'll do like funerals and you get to see them and There is something to be said when you find that right person. And based on what you said before, you're so relieved when you finally realize that wasn't the right person. So there's a relief there.
2: When weddings are, I mean, weddings are not just about the couple, obviously, and they're huge monetary uh, losses as well. So what happens when that couple, in your experience, then, I mean, presents it to their families? Because that's, I feel like a lot of the pressure on weddings is from the people footing the bill.
4: It's usually handled and accepted with grace, where the person just returns the gifts. They say sorry, you know, and they get a lot of support from a lot of people. uh, So it's not as
2: dramatic as we might be putting it up to be.
4: It's not the end of a huge movie. They just, they they cancel it out and and they move on and, and they... We're we're strange beings. We find the relief when we have to. We find the road to relief when we have to. We don't we don't want to just you know suffer. Over. There's other things to suffer about down the pike, so we we don't suffer forever for those things.
3: So you've done 150 weddings almost. Yeah. What do you? How has this shaped your view of the institution of marriage?
4: Um, I think I believe in love. I believe in a sense of true love. I marry a lot of people that knew each other. What's one of the most beautiful things is marrying a very much older like sixty something couple that have already been they knew each other, they went through their own lives, they maybe became widows and widowers and it 's something to see when they finally get together because their kids are so misty eyed about it they, it's, there are some true happy endings out there
0: Aww.
4: on the on the addition on the other hand, but on the additional hand, there was a wedding where uh, There was an Irish guy from Ireland, his family had never been to New York before, and there was a Jewish girl, and the mother had planned the wedding she'd always wanted for her daughter, but when they all came from Ireland, they weren't really into the showy stuff, and she did a very brave thing. The night before the wedding she changed the whole thing to beer and sandwiches and rock music from what it had been. And the Irish family was like, thank God, like they were so happy. All the pictures of arms around each other of all the siblings, it was fantastic. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it when people can just change their mind for the better. I mean wow, what a sacrifice
3: I feel yeah. like for especially for a bride who, you know, oftentimes spends so much of their lives fantasizing about the wedding that they want to be able to make that shift for her partner or for her partner's family.
4: I, could, I make a case for that, that we we're exposed to weddings in Disney movies and movies and, and TV and everything, that, or we go to them. You have an idea in your mind what your wedding is. You, it may be back there until you need it, but people do have an idea of what their wedding might look like. Yeah. And what I try to do with a couple is like, what do you want? When you walk down the aisle, I want to watch you nodding your head interior, like this is exactly what I wanted. That's what I look for.
3: Do you ever encounter couples who have totally different ideas of what their wedding is going to look like? And how do you navigate that?
4: Usually, generally speaking, in a male-female wedding, usually the grooms defer and they advocate for what the bride wants. I guess that's a generalization in uh I just did a wedding though of, of two men and they had planned this thing down like a surgical operation and it was fabulous because they they had all their friends they totally threw a party the most generous party you can imagine for their friends and it was a beautiful thing to behold and and you could see they were and they're also late 50s so this was a real culmination of many years Ooh. of love and and sacrifice and, the, and you could tell that there had been a lot of drama from everything you can imagine it was beautiful
2: uh, so what is I mean weddings are so stressful to plan from what I've heard from all of my friends who've done them. So what are some things that you see people stressing about that you really want them to give themselves a break on and not take so seriously? Here's a
4: scenario. Let's imagine I'm just going to use the bride's mother because that's almost the cliche thing to do. One thing, if you're going to get married, make sure that when you go to look for your dress, that your mother does not buy her dress that day. Talk about that's the biggest jinx I've ever seen.
0: Really, if you're a mother Why? out
4: there going, because it just shows that you're putting yourself over your daughter Aww. and it's you know maybe it's a little even sound sexist in this day and age but it's true if if she gets defeated and you get your dress a lot of other stuff might go wrong to that end there's a lot of mothers that they get it they the daughter maybe thinks she wants to plan but the, the mother is sort of like yeah I know I'll take care of that too so you get a lot of overbearing moms and I say to the bride and groom to be If she's obsessing over the flowers, let her for the next four months. Let her. Don't fix it because then she'll find something else to to (laughs) obsess about. So just let her
2: have her thing. Let her
4: have her thing. Even after, even until the wedding, just you know, don't return the calls and do it. So because that's it's a very emotional thing. Why weddings are so big? I think you asked in some way before. Post World War II, what did we want? We we wanted our our kids to have more than we had from like the depression days. So these huge weddings, these million dollar weddings came to be. And it's not necessarily what the kids want, but it's certainly what the parents, they want to show what they've done for their families.
2: Mm. So um, with all the weddings that you've been to, what is your top tip for making sure that everyone, like you mentioned, you asked us to, to remind you of this before, that everybody is showing up as their best selves with as much love as possible, a mantra that we can put it like, especially because even if you have no connection to the bride or groom, Weddings can be a lot of
3: or if you're going to your ex's or wedding or
2: you're going to your I don't know if it's something specific or something more general.
4: Generally, I would say bring the best of yourself to the wedding. So what that might mean is, let's just say it's 20 minutes before the wedding and someone's getting out of car and it happens to be raining. Volunteer to take the umbrella out to do that. How can I help? What can I do? It's counter to envy. It's counter to bad feelings. You know, there's there's the the um you know the thing everybody wants. When they're there and they feel kind of feel like a stranger, they're at a table, they don't really know people, and then your mind starts to wander like, please, God, let that person not eat their cake. I would love that cake. You know, there's, there's that aspect too. But bring the best of yourself to the wedding. That's why there's so many jobs at weddings. You can take someone's tux back for them. You know, if you, pre, you know, prearrange, I like tell the brides and grooms, give people jobs. They want, you know, tell people if you're going to sign the license, you want two cross pens that you can take back to work. Have someone get you something. So people like to to offer something of themselves because that's, that's why you're there. And it's good to remember it's just a day in their life. It's just a day in your life. Then you're going to go back to being friends or being acquaintances or whatever it is. It, it's, you know, they put a lot of things of if anybody sees any reason why these two shouldn't... It, it's, it's not us anymore. You know, that that isn't really... We don't think that way. It's not a village mentality that way. It's we're all here. We brought the best of ourselves. It costs a lot of money to go to a wedding. Whatever. I don't know when you think about how much that's going to cost you to go. Mm. It's, yeah, and, and that's a big. I'm music. thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yep. that's why we're sharing a room. Right. Exactly.
4: That's that's, that's, why, we're <laughs> that's, the that's
2: to why we're sharing a room. That's the
4: excuse. That's why we're sharing a room. That's why this is radio.
3: <laughs> Daniel, I have, a, I have a question. You've done so many of these weddings. You've seen so many different couples. What have you learned from these? some of the couples that you've married that you can bring to your own relationship?
4: I think that revalidating where you are, whatever is is the relationship that you've got, is important. Just to say, all right... Now we now we have kids or now we're we're in a bigger house or now our career's changed and we're doing this or it's there's a lot of it's my turn. All right, I worked while you were in law school, now it's your turn, I need this. That's hard for people to ask, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So I think that age doesn't play into it as much, although when you can't double your age anymore, you see things differently. You do see the end of things. You see the end of, of childhood of your kids and then you're gonna be alone again. You know, you you see You know empty empty nest kind of stuff you see how much you want for them don't make the mistakes i met made and everything so i i guess i can always fall back on the idea that i know what i love i've learned if nothing else not to be judgmental boy i mean seeing these all these weddings and all these families you watch people's faces if i'm marrying the couple and i look in the father's eyes he's somewhere just kind of his life truly is passing before mm-hmm. him. And it's beautiful. It's really power. I mean, there's, this is kind of corny, but when I meet a couple and I start my little talk with them, I say, take the word spiritual apart and you get ritual. And that's what a wedding is. It's a ritual. But a ritual is strong stuff, like you know, putting our hand over our heart or holding the door for someone or throwing rice at a wedding. These are all really strong rituals. Drinking wine, breaking a glass or having a mass or stuff or having someone that you love getting up and reading something for you, standing up for you. There's that phrase that's strong stuff. Mm. So it's something we all do. And it's, it's a, and it goes right back to respect and right back to bringing the best of yourself to the wedding.
2: Before we ask you our final question outside of this conversation, is there anything we haven't asked you that you want our, our listeners to know about the pro? Cause a lot of them are going to be getting married in the next, or we hope a lot of our listeners are going to be involved in this wedding season. If not, on, if not on the altar and definitely in other perspectives, is there anything you want them to take away from this?
4: Um, it's, like I said about it being a day, make sure you check in. Your your parents do want to do stuff for you. Manage them. They want you to manage them. They don't want to push something on you. And in some cases they do. I had a Jewish wedding where we had the ketubah that they paid a lot of money for on ketubah.com to get one. And the father brought in the form that he and his wife had had, and, and it really insisted that they use that. And it had a bad effect. And we had to take him aside and say, it's not your wedding. You know, so you can see, the, the kids knew he was going to do that. They really did, but they were hoping you wouldn't. Take care of that stuff. It's a time. I always tell I'll use it in this case, if you two were getting married and she had big personalities in her family, believe it or not, that's your job now to advocate for uh, her. So you have big personalities. So you're, so you're the one that has yeah. to go and say, "I can't have this. You can't do that." Aww. This is what I want And it really tells That's going to be a kind of a, uh, a theme For the rest of your relationship You advocate for her She advocates for you And that's the unified front I was talking about
2: I love that Because that's what I want A relationship I want co-advocacy
3: mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah We're going to we're gonna put a bow on this here And try to tie this back into the beginning of the show Where Jacqueline and I shared our craziest wedding experiences
2: Attendee experiences Yes So yeah.
3: I imagine you've attended some weddings uh, Not as an officiant as well Do you have, like, a crazy wedding story you want to share with us? Well,
4: back to, this one actually did happen to me. There was a bride who really wanted to marry somebody, and he was very elusive, and it was one of those where she even knew that he was. They'd had a couple of, like, moved dates and everything, and she said, I have him. Again, that's telling when someone says, I've got him. And she wanted to have it on Valentine's Day, and it was at her house, and her parents were going to cook, and they were immigrants, and all the food was being made. And I kid you not, he walked down the aisle with his car keys in his hand (gasps) and he parked the car this way in the driveway so they could go right out and as we were starting the ceremony he put his hand up very weakly like he was ill and he said i can't do this and left no yeah yeah that was not silly and it was but then i talked to her and she said yeah yeah i guess i knew and it was one of those and and Yep. what happened
3: with the rest of the day
4: they had the best party ever her yeah. parents <laughs> All right. her parents made sure that that it was the best party for her possible they really showed it's like no matter what we love you and that's <sighs>
2: oh, heartbreaking I- heartbreaking and I guess tough way to end the show yeah (laughs) all right if
4: one other thing don't ever tie your rings to the collar of your favorite dog like the pet that you share they run they they, all those people and everything and that's that's something you don't want to do that's a little nicer that's
2: yeah that's funny at least Daniel thank you so much for coming on the show today we hope to have you back at some point on the line Um, listeners you can find you can if you want to hire Daniel Moore is on our website lovebitesradio.com and you can just email us directly lovebitesradio at gmail.com and we'll get you in touch with him or or to find out more about his work, you can find him at livinglotusproject.org. That's our show today for today. Um, Come back next week. I'm going to be back live in the studio with returning guest co host Chef Daniel Holtzman for our show on bartender bodies. Pilates instructor Marcia Polis trains those in physically active fields like bartenders, chefs, and actors with the quite fitting catchphrase, Because it shouldn't hurt to do your job. It's the first in our Our Bodies, Ourselves series, and she'll be in with one of her recently trained, now muscly bartender students. So find more. I know. (laughs) So find more about that on lovebitesready.com and come back next week to join us until then thanks to our engineer this week Jack Inslee um it's awesome to have you with us waving your hand over there Jack we've missed you we've missed you we are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt and I'll be back here at the same time next week at Heritage Radio Network.org.
1: Later